how to win at home is my topic for today. We started this series last week, how to win. Adam preached a great message on how to win at work. And my topic is how to win at home. And so naturally, when I heard that phrase, how to win at home, I rewound the clock into when I was growing up at home and thought of all the places I wanted to win. And to be honest, I still want to win in every place I go. Like I'm super competitive. I will race you. I will jump and see how high I can. I I will do all of it. But growing up, I was especially competitive. Now, I liked playing board games, but I hated playing Clue with my sister. (laughs) That game shouldn't be that hard, but I never won. She always beat me. Always. I'm like, I know you're like smart too, but how? Every time, it's Clue, it's Clue. Colonel Mustard with the wrench in the billiard room. It can't be that hard. I liked playing regular Nintendo, Super Mario Brothers with my mom though. Any regular Nintendo people in the house, okay? Now, true story, I broke my left arm. I fell off monkey bars. And to be honest, that was the second time I fell off monkey bars and broke my arm, so I didn't learn. (laughs) But I was in traction in the hospital for two weeks. This arm is, I'm just laying there, and this arm is like that. I learned how to play regular Nintendo, Mario Brothers, one-handed, and I beat my mom. She's over there before the Wii was ever even invented. She's she's going, go, Luigi, go, go, go. And it's like, mom, that's not how it works. You got to press the button, you know? I also loved playing racquetball with my dad. He taught me how to play. And uh, at first I was just, I was young. I wasn't very good. So he gave me two bounces for every one bounce he got. The rule was you get a bounce and then on the second one, you're, you know, it's the point you lose, but he gave me two. So I got two bounces. And then on the third, I would, I would lose the point. And then finally I got to where I could, I could beat him with two bounces. So he said, Hey, no more two bounces. You get one bounce. So he was beating me again for a while. And then, then it got to the point where I was, I was getting close. I could beat him with one bounce and it happened a time or two. And then it was consistent, man. Like every time I would beat my dad. And if you've ever had that feeling of beating your dad at something he taught you, it's not good. You feel like a man, right? Okay, man, I love that. Now I'm a dad and my kids love playing games. And recently they've been into uh, card games. Okay. They've been into card games and they've played Monopoly Deal. Have you ever played that one? Monopoly Deal is cards. It's beautiful because You don't have to be stuck around a board for five hours playing Monopoly, hating each other. It's like (laughs) the game is over in 15 minutes. It's wonderful, okay? So they're playing Monopoly deal, card game. Uh, They also found a game called Sky Joe. Highly recommend. It's a lot of fun, Sky Joe. They're playing Solitaire, though. So they're they're also learning how to play that. They're dealing their own decks. And Dominic, the other day, he goes, hey, mom, I won without even cheating. (laughs) It's like, good job, dude. Good job, right? So he goes, he goes, dad. Will you teach me a new card game? And this was my chance, man. You know what I'm going to do. Yeah, dude, I know a great game that we can play. And he goes, awesome. Is it, is it one player like solitaire or is it two players? And I thought, well, it's both. Start that as two and it ends as one. <laughs> really? What's it called? What's it called? I want to see. And I said, well, look, look I'm shuffling. It's, it's called a uh, 52 car pickup. <laughs> And he, and he, like, he was just as surprised as you are as I did this right now. He goes, oh, man. <laughs> it was so good. And, and he was like, he's like, okay. And he's picking him up. And there you go. I, uh, I felt so bad um, that I just helped him pick him up. Because, you know, he was such a good sport about it. It was amazing. And, you know... I hope that's like what you think of when you're, you think about games at home, like 
fun with your, your, your siblings or your mom or your, or your dad, but the reality of, of it is that I know when I say the phrase, win at home, for many of us, we, we don't think of fun memories like that. You're like, man, I, I felt like I lost at home. Because growing up, my, my sister was the favorite, and I never got attention. You know, or, you know, I wanted to raise my kids to know and love the Lord, but now I don't know what's going on. I feel like I was I kind of lost as a, as a father or a mother. I stood on a stage and I said, yes, I promise to have you and to hold you for better or for worse, but that's not happening. And you feel like at home, that's supposed to be this, this sacred space. You feel like you've lost. Or you feel like you're in the middle of it and you're losing. And so maybe you're asking the question, am I or did I win at home? So I get that topic today to talk about. And it's possible, no matter what stage you're in, no matter what has happened before, to still win at home. And that's what I want us to look at today. It's, we're going to be actually in First uh, Thessalonians 5. So if you've got a Bible, you want to get there, it'll be on the, the screen as always. But when we talk about winning at home, like this is not a, a marriage passage right here. This is not a parenting passage right here. This is really a, a church life passage. Uh, the church at Thessalonica, that's the name of the city, was this amazing church. If you want to read about it, it's uh, Acts 17. It's a cool uh, origin story where they are they're formed as a church and they're proclaiming Jesus so strongly that they have persecution start happening because they are proclaiming another king, not Caesar, but another king, one called Jesus. So they're facing persecution. They're facing hardship. They're facing trial. And Paul writes to them and he says, good job. You're doing great, but keep it up. So he's like celebrating their success. And he's also challenging them to move forward. And so in some senses, I want to be sort of like the apostle Paul to you today and say, keep going like awesome. Celebrate your success at home but challenge you to keep pressing, to keep going, no matter what stage of home you're in. Because I know this, I'm looking at the whole audience here, and some of you are like children in your family's home, you're teenagers, you're young adults. Some of you are maybe single, or you're engaged, or you're early married, or you got young kids, or you got middle kids, you got old kids, you got grandkids. All of us today are in such different stages that I don't want to go to just one place of parenting or one place of marriage or, or one place of grandparenting. It's really about these principles that can be overlaid to whatever stage of home life you are in now. And that's really what Paul does when he writes to this church is he gives them some house rules for how to live as a church. So what I want to do is read these verses and just lay them on top of whatever whatever situation, whatever house, whatever home you are in. So let's apply that. We'll start in verse 14 and we'll read, Paul writes to this church, we urge you brothers, this is a strong word, we urge you brothers and sisters, admonish the idle, 
encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Let's leave those verses on the screen as I talk about them because I love how, how Paul writes, like everybody in the house, there's different things going on, no matter what. Like there's, there's different sorts of things that have to happen. And, and here he is. He says, some people are idle. This was a word that means like a soldier that was marching to the beat of his own drum. He was out of line, walking a different way. And sometimes in the home, someone is out of line. Yes? And they need to be corrected. Amen. <laughs> they need to be corrected, obviously in love and in truth and all that sort of stuff. But the idol need to be admonished. They need to be warned, some translations say. But, but look at what's next. Encourage the faint-hearted. Some people are literally, the word means little-souled. They just, they're, they're, they're scared uh, and they need to be encouraged. Now, I love this word picture, encourage, is two words put together. It means near and speak. You put those together and that means I'm going to speak to you t tenderly and quietly and comforting. I'm not going to yell at you across the room. I'm going to come close. Help the weak. Some folks just need to be lifted up. And I love how he says just this umbrella term. Hey, be patient. No matter who it is. If you're admonishing someone and correcting them, do it impatient. Do it in patience, not impatiently. Do it in patience. Encourage patiently. Life is tough. Help the weak patiently. He goes on, verse 15. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. I, I love that. Don't retaliate. Don't be creative on how you're going to get them back. Oh yeah, you said that to me. I'll just wait till I get a chance to speak to you. No, don't be creative that way. He says, look, be creative. Seek to do good to one another. Literally, that means pursue it. Pursue the good of those in your home. Pursue it. You want to win at home? It's a pretty good list. And as, as I was reading and studying this past week, really, that's a descriptive, des descriptors of an outer life. That's how you're treating those people outside of yourself. So let's put this list on the screen and let's take a time out, a pause. Some of you have bulletin notes. You're taking notes. I see that's wonderful. Some of you are writing in your journals. Some of you are taking notes in your mind and that's beautiful as well. Here's what your chance is. You're going to circle a word right now, either on your page or in your own notebook or on the screen in your mind's eye, you're going to circle a word that you are feeling drawn to right now. This is an outer list of behaviors that we're called to act towards people outside of us. You got it? You got your circle? Great. Now you should try to do that this week, but I'm telling you, it's going to be impossible without your inner life on track. And that's what Paul turns to next. It's almost like he says, yeah, that's great that you want to do all these things outside of yourself, but you got to get your inner life right first, your life with God. Listen to what he says. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. And church, let's read this out from the screen or your paper. For this is God's will for you in Christ. <coughs> Different translation. I messed up. Let's read that again. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You ever ask the question, what's like God's will? 
more so than what job you take or where you go to college or like to talk to that certain person or what, like this is it. Look at that list. You can know you're in the center of God's will if you're doing this. Paul says rejoice always. You know, joy is, is deeper than happiness. It's God's salvation through Jesus. We just sang about it, four different songs, in some way, shape, or form, how Jesus has saved us. That's an incredible truth, that we can have joy even in the midst of anything. In fact, chapter one of this incredible letter, Paul writes to the Thessalonian church and says, you received the word in much affliction. You were being persecuted with the joy of the Holy Spirit, chapter one, verse six. And you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. See, we can have joy even in the midst of the junk, yeah? Pray without ceasing. I, I love this, uh, this verse because if you want to nerd out a little bit in Greek, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. It's one word. <laughs> Pray without ceasing. It's just one word in Greek. So there you go. Bible trivia. You can walk out and be a little bit smarter today. But here's what it means. The word, the word kind of meant, uh, it referred to like a hacking cough. You ever had a hacking cough? All day just keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back. You're coughing every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes. That's what that means. Not that you're coughing at God, okay? But like, this is the consistency of it. It doesn't mean that you're a, a hermit and you, and you move and all you do is pray all day long and you never talk to people. No, it means constantly bringing yourself back into the presence of God, saying, all right, I'm walking inside now. God, help me to be your presence to my family. All right, I'm five minutes away from work, so I'm gonna turn off the radio and I'm gonna pray because I am God's hands and feet at work. Always, all day long. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not necessarily for all circumstances because sometimes life is just hard. But in the midst of all circumstances, we can still give thanks because we know Romans 8.28 is true, that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Can I get an amen? Amen. We know that this is true. Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Now, I do think there's something to be said that maybe a, a certain part in Christian maturity, we can be thankful for all circumstances, but until we get there, we can be thankful in all circumstances. Now, same thing, let's put this list, the inner life on the screen, okay? Same challenge. What are you being drawn to right now? If you wanna get your outer life right, then you need to get your inner life right. And so let's start there. Where are you being drawn right now? Is it, I need to rejoice always? I'm kind of critical. Maybe it's I need to pray more or maybe I need to give thanks more. You know, what is it? Go ahead and circle it. Circle it in your mind, think about it. Because we next are going to talk about just the age old question, how? Like, that's, a, that's an incredible list. And, and you think, Paul, how am, in the world am I supposed to do that? Because that looks great. I'm glad that, like, I'm supposed to do that in my home, to win at home. But how? That's the question we're going to tackle. And it's a question that I needed help with as well. And so a couple weeks ago, I sent out email after email after email to people in my life that I 
considered were winners at home. They have raised families in a way that honors the Lord. And so I sent email out. And so really that's the first step for me. If, if we're going to win at home, it's kind of like we have a playbook. And so I want to add three plays to your playbook. I think the first play is just this, seek wisdom, seek wisdom. And that's what I did. I sent those emails and all this wisdom just came flooding back to me. And I want to share some of it with you today. It's going to be kind of like a, like a fire hose of wisdom. And so there's going to be something for every stage of life in here, whether you are a student, uh, high school, middle schooler, whether you are a young adult, engaged, newly married, young kids, old kids, grandkids, there's something in here. So you got to listen to all of it. Here we go. This is Tim. All right. I think this, this, everybody gets to play with this one, okay? You win trust by exercising consistent respect. Parents to children, children to parents, all of it. We win God's blessing by building emotional connections with everybody in the house. We win the opportunity to speak truth to family members by keeping an open door through honesty. We win, this is huge, don't miss this one. We win the privilege to be understood by seeking daily to understand. Frankly, he says, winning at home is often associated with protecting one's pride or ego in a culture of defensiveness. And if our desire to win at home is about beating other people, we need to remember we're creating losers. And when people feel like they lose, they stop playing. This is from Mark. My victory has a lot to do with my wife. And all the men say, amen, amen. if you're smart. You want another chance? All the men say, amen. there we go. All right. Her skill made up for uh, a lot of my deficiencies and vice versa. So focus on your relationship with your spouse before your relationship with your kids. My greatest win with her, he says, was the stability of trust. This is huge. Don't miss this. We don't always like each other, but we always love each other. And because of that, the times that we like each other are longer and deeper. Grandparents, tune in your ears, all right? Parenting is a team sport, and grandparents are the bench players that are critical for the win to give rest and take pressure off the starters, parents. Dale says, we enjoy having a couple grandkids close in proximity, and we help everywhere we can, but we don't tell our kids how to raise them, nor do we try to be their parents. Will says, uh, winning seems to be an outcome-based proposition. Therefore, ending up with children who follow Jesus is the ultimate win. However, there are incremental wins along the way. Listen up. He says, having a family where we enjoy each other's company, that's a win. Having a family that is quick to support and encourage one another, that sounds familiar, is a win. Raising children with charitable hearts, giving hearts, is a win. <laughs> Dale said, as far as my marriage is concerned, all right, men, if you've been married five days or 50 years, listen to this one, this is great. Beyond keeping God in the center of our relationship, I've always tried to keep in mind the fact that I have been entrusted with my wife's happiness. If my wife is miserable, I consider that to be my failure. Having a spouse is a great responsibility. <laughs> Listen, a wife's face is going to get wrinkles. 
sorry. <laughs> Whether those lines are from frowns or from smiles has a lot to do with how you love her through the decades. So love her well. Listen, the point here is really just to never stop learning. Maybe you're, you know, getting ready to be married. You're in that stage of, of life. Maybe you need to pick up a book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. Maybe you're raising kids and you need to read Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting. It will <laughs> make you feel horrible about yourself and give you hope all at the same time. That's what it did for me. Maybe you've got adult kids and you need to pick up the book, Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Maybe you're grandparents and you need to Google the Legacy Coalition and our friend David Wheeler with a host of others will guide you how to get the most in your grandparenting years. The point is just keep moving the ball forward no matter where you are. The point isn't to compare yourself with like your hero who's like the perfect dad and you feel like a loser. No, like... Look at where you're, you're the generations before you were. Like, look at what your parents entrusted to you and then move the ball further down the field. Like, just keep it moving. You, can, playing the comparison game, you're always going to feel like a loser because you will always find somebody better, smarter, wiser, with more successful kids, all that stuff. Don't do that. Just keep the ball moving. You want to win at home? Seek wisdom. You want to win at home, I think you also need to master the mundane, all right? Master the mundane if you're taking notes or filling them in. The mundane that every day we do this, it's boring maybe, you might think. You got to master it. Why? Let me ask you this. When you go to, the, when you go to basketball practice, what does a player do every single day? Free throws. And if you're a good player, you're not going to go, oh, coach, come on, that's so stupid. Like, you want, to, you want to run the trick play and all that stuff, like hit the game-winning shot, but you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to hit the game-winning shot if you can't hit a free throw. You're going to do the same thing every day, and you're going to master it when you can hit 10 in a row, 20 in a row, 30 in a row. You can hit 99 out of 100, and those are the teams that close out games, right? It's the same thing with our life. We're going to master the mundane. It, it was put to me this way. Your kids and grandkids, they're going to, they're going to remember the fun highlight moments, the, the picture on top of the mountain, or the surfing at the beach, or skiing, or ice skating, or whatever it is. They're going to re remember those highlights, but they're going to be transformed by the mundane. See, I put it in my notes this way. Transformation happens in the trenches every single day. Day in, day out. You can imagine it like this. If you go home and grab a bucket and put it in your sink, just turn on that faucet, just do a drip, drip, drip. You come back 20 minutes later, you're like, man, there's no water in this bucket, stupid faucet. But you know what's going to happen is you come back tomorrow, you're going to come back in a week, that bucket's going to be full, right? Every single drop in the bucket matters. So master the mundane. Here's what I mean, all right? Once again, uh, Dale told this, this, I guess he was mourning the fact. He's like, we've been doing this for 40 years. And, you know, one of the biggest regrets that I see is, is people that have raised their kids. And they have good cars. They got good houses. They got good jobs. But in the growing up years, they didn't have those rhythms. 
And the kids aren't in church. They're not practicing faith. The grandkids aren't either. And he's like, it's just, it's sad for us to see our friends go through that. So now, master of the mundane. Listen, if you're young and you're not married yet or you're getting married, like what a better time to master your, your rhythms right now because you don't have a spouse, you don't have kids, and you can get in the habit right now. And so, I mean, let's just be honest. If you don't do it right now, you're not going to do it later. It's going to be all that much, like it's going to be all that more difficult. Yeah? Here's what my, my wife is doing. She um, will tell you to your face, I'm not telling you something she wouldn't, that she hates mornings. In fact, uh, a few years back, we found out she has something in her head that makes her like not actually be able to wake up like a normal person. So she's like, see, I have an excuse. <laughs> it's a real thing. But here's what she's doing every single morning. She's got to get out there early. She's a middle, middle school teacher. She drives her kids to school and, and all that stuff. But first thing in the morning, her Bible is on her nightstand. Before she rolls out of bed, she rolls over to the lamp and just clicks it on. And before she's up helping kids, before she's putting anything on her face or brushing her teeth, her head's in the word, she's not perfect at it. Neither am I. Neither are you. But the point is, is this. We got to get our rhythms right. And maybe some of you need to just turn on the lamp in the morning. And maybe that can be a rhythm that will transform your whole, not just your life, but then your family's life. I just heard this yesterday. Dads, often it's you who are coming home to work and uh, crossing the threshold into the family life. And rather than looking about what's, what's like wrong, like look at what's right, okay? And I just heard this yesterday. I love this. I wanted to share it. Maybe something you can do on the way home is just make a verbal cue, or not a verbal cue, just create a cue. For this dad, it was when he crossed the train tracks. He knew when I crossed the train tracks, Everything else goes off, and my mind, like my work mind, goes off, and my mind switches on to home life. And I'm going to think, how can I be fully present with my kids? Maybe that's something you could do. Here's another idea. Dads of all ages, moms of all ages, this is from Matt and Dwayne and Adam, all right? All three of them got together and gave us one practical piece of advice, all right? Every morning, when they're reading their scriptures, they take about five more minutes, take a little bit longer. And what they do then is create a prayer based off of a verse of scripture. And they create a prayer and send that verse of scripture and that prayer to their whole family. And they pray a prayer over them every single day. It's a drop in the bucket, right? So you know what's not going to happen? Probably. It's probably not going to be tomorrow that one of their kids is like, dad, you're the best ever. Thank you for that. But it's like, a week, a month, a year, you don't know. Drop in the bucket, drop in the bucket, drop in the bucket. You master the mundane. That's, that's where we're transformed, in the trenches of everyday life. Ephesians 5, 16 has been a verse long important to me. It just says this, make the best use of the time. So go do it. If you want to win at home, let's master the mundane. And finally, you want to win at home, just don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you, I look around the room and you, you're in all sorts of different situations. Maybe you've got, you've got young kids and you're like not sleeping at night because they're crying all night, right? Don't give up. 
Some of you have got kids that you honestly have no idea like what's going on right now and you're just like, Josh, I'm lost. Don't give up. You got grown kids that are prodigals and you're thinking, why aren't they coming back? When will they come back? Don't give up. Hang in and reach out if you need some help. I mean, think about it this way. What is more shame-inducing, let's say? Reaching out for help through a counselor or announcing or finding out that your marriage is dissolving and you're getting a divorce? Like, reach out if you need help. Reach out. Don't give up. Because sometimes winning, hear me, is just surviving. And so some of you are sitting in this chair right here today and you're like, Josh, you don't even know. At home, I'm losing. My kids don't like me. They're screaming. They're rebelling. My wife and I don't even talk. But you know what? You are here. Count that as a win. You're watching online and you're like, ironically, you're at home. You feel like you're losing at home. But you know what? You're watching. And so let's count that as a win and let's not ever give up, church. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good for in the, in the right time you will reap a harvest of righteousness if you don't give up. Hang in there, fight the fight. Hang in there, rally some teammates around you to support you, to lift you up. Like this verse says, help the weak. Sometimes you are the weak that needs some help. So get your help, all right? Don't give up. 2 Timothy 4, 7 is a, it's kind of a famous verse. And I want to share what our friend David said. Many of you know David Wheeler. And he says this, winning for me, it implies faithfulness. 2 Timothy 4, 7, it's the goal for us as we approach the end of our earthly journey. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, of course, none of us lives without sin, failures, and mistakes, and we often wish we could go back for a do-over. But, hear this, if the grand scope of our life has been to pursue God, to love Christ, and to live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then we win the prize mentioned in 2 Timothy 4. And we pray that our kids, our grandkids, they, they will have noticed our lives of loving faithfulness and following in our footsteps. So Christian, examine yourself. Did you live and teach lovingly and faithfully? Then God approves of your service and you won at home. See, the bottom line is this. You win at home, not when you're successful, but when you're faithful. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. And so here's your challenge. Just choose one play out of this playbook. Choose one play to add to your playbook. Choose one thing that you can do this week to help you win at home. Don't try to rewrite the whole playbook. Just choose one. Just choose one. Do you need to, like, are you trying to do this on your own? Do you need to reach out for some wisdom from someone? Reach out. Are your rhythms like totally out of whack and you can't remember when the last time your Bible was open? Man, click on that lamp every morning. 
Are you maybe like the weak that needs some help? Don't give up and reach out for the help that you have within this body, within your church, within your small group, within resources that we can help you with. I mean, if there's something you're wrestling with right now, you want a book, you want a podcast, you want something, we can help you with that. So grab that connection card, write it on the connection card, and we'll do our best to shove resources your way, a book, a a study, a something to put in your, in your lap to help you keep growing. And if you want to, if you want to just reach out for help, man, we pray every single Tuesday around the table. If you want to reach out because you're, you're realizing you're trying to, you're trying to do this on your own. I mean, I had a conversation, uh, two days ago. It was, it was great. It's a former student in youth ministry. And I called him and just checking in. And I said, what are you learning right now? And he said, I am learning that you cannot do ministry without Jesus. said, yeah, man, you're right. You can't do this without Jesus. Stop trying. If you're here in this room or watching online and you have not experienced the blessing of baptism to bury your old life with Christ, then you need to reach out and do that today. And if you want to drop the card in the bucket, that's great. Even better, I'll be here and would love to talk with you. Because here's the deal. We've got to have Christ with us. But the reality is that we do have Jesus with us. Listen to how Paul closes this letter. Verses 23 and 24 are, are huge. Because I'm off, like, I often think, Josh, you just gotta, gotta wake up earlier. Josh, you gotta be more patient with your kids. Come on, get it together. Read that book. Listen to that thing. Do the study. And I'm, I'm all trying to like pull myself up by my own bootstraps, you know, as, it's, as they say. Listen to verse 23, 24. Let it fall on your ears and your heart today. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what? He who calls you is faithful. Let's just say this together. He will surely do it. Fight the good fight. Finish the race and keep the faith and you'll win at home. Our God, we say thank you for who you are and for what you do. We say thank you that you are a father that has taught us how to be a husband and a father, how to pour out our lives on behalf of the families in our home. And so I, I pray that every single person in this, in this room, whether they are a 13-year-old girl, a 25-year-old man, a 70-year-old grandparent, trying to figure this thing out, that you would give us just the encouragement today to celebrate our successes, but also the challenge to keep moving the ball forward. And oh God, help us to be faithful. More than successful, help us to be faithful. It's a great thing you've entrusted us with, these homes. So help us to use the time that you've given us the best that we know how, and to entrust to you our shortcomings and our deficiencies and our failures because you are the God who can turn messes into miracles and even bring joy into junk. And so we pray that that would happen today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.